This is the one with rubber duckies. Oh, I mean dinosaurs. Subterranean space colonists. Cross and double cross. A random space car. And a very subtle message about fucking up the planet. <laughs> it's called Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Here, Here we, we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Thalamut, and the Cybertronic race. Tontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be? That's who back when? Who Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode C071 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Doc Past. That's right. Doc Past. <laughs> Here's my friend who agrees with me. <laughs> Hi. Uh, <laughs> that fantastic voice belongs to none other than Jim. Hello, Jim. Hi, Leon. That's, <laughs> that's who that guy was. That's that was right. Leon. That's yeah. me. I'm Leon. Hello, everyone. And today we are going to be talking about Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Holy mind-blowing Macaroni. <laughs> Did you also have the Jurassic Park nah, 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 in the background the entire time you were watching this thing? Not really. No? Okay. No, no. Just, just you. <laughs> As I understand it, a bit of a polarizing episode. Oh, really? I haven't read... I, we have received some listener minis, so I'll spoil alert for later. I haven't read them yet, but I saw ratings on the internet that did not correspond to my own. Okay. And so I know that at least in that sense, there are two different opinions about this. I, I feel like the serial itself is polarized, and oh, that's I think true. my enjoyment of it is polarized <laughs> as well. <laughs> I have written a number down in, a, in advance, which I, oh, don't, you have. I don't normally do, but I was, I was giddy with excitement oh. at one point. And I wrote, wrote a number down. And I'm gonna you do look giddy with excitement right now as well. i be intrigued <laughs> if I stick with it after our little confab. Okay. Oh, fantastic. I haven't written anything down, but I might do so when we break for a bite-sized chunk of who. So let's do that then. Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who? The third Doctor and not officially the new companion yet, Sarah Jane Smith returned to London after their medieval jaunt, only to find it overrun with dinosaurs. Big scary dinosaurs from the past. Our heroes then spend a chunk of this serial under arrest, escaping, getting caught again, and hanging out with Unit, while mad scientists and a government and military cabal conspires to reset the entire human race. No biggie. <laughs> Be scout over. over. You, you are, are welcome. welcome. <laughs> Where would you like to start? Can we just start with the dinosaurs? Oh, okay. Themselves. All right. Because they're amazing. They're fantastic. They're... they're <laughs> <laughs> Like, some people went to a lot of trouble with these dinosaurs, I feel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like it wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that scene, it, there, I mean, we get so many of them as well. well they yeah. made a massive At effort. least four. We, well, hang on. So we have the T-Rex, obviously. Obviously. Stegosaurus, Triceratops, Pterodactyls. Uh, uh, Diplodocus. 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 Which one's that? The big one with a long tail and long neck. Oh, yeah, right. It's uh, munched on by the T-Rex. Yes, exactly. I thought there was a Brontosaurus. Oh, I don't remember these things. I, I, oh, I remember being a kid and oh, reading. I don't know. Or I, I've made a note of all of them at some point. Patasaurus. Patasaurus? Must be a misspelling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they look fantastic. 
there's especially in episode one that scene where the T-Rex just explodes out of a terraced house. <laughs> I'm not using the door. <laughs> My arms don't have the capacity to turn a knob. <laughs> can't reach it, can't reach it. No, it's, it's so good. And the roar itself... Which is, it's always, it's the same thing on a loop. It's yeah. like clearly a human being just <laughs> screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, sound bites. Don't sound bite, I just did it. Oh, yeah, thank you. But yeah, that was, <laughs> that was probably a bad one. It's, it's incredible. In going through, I, I went on YouTube and looked for clips from this and uh, found that there are a few people who have taken the scenes from the serial and upped the game. Like, they have replaced the uh, rubber ducky dinosaurs with CGI dinosaurs. Oh. And my question to them would be, why? <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. And it's so charming as well. I think I, I do so, sort of love them. I kind of wish they didn't move sometimes. Because <laughs> they only move very slightly. Well, and they move in really weird ways. <laughs> there, there are some things in my notes. I think one of them is literally T-Rex falls flat because it, it just kind of like crumples. Like, oh, when he gets shot deflated. by the, 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 the stun gun. gun, I think. Yeah. Okay. And when it gets up again afterwards, it's like kind of bending in half. And <laughs> it's, it's like they didn't know. They kind of went, right, we need some dinosaurs. Yeah. We obviously need some dinosaurs for this. Oh, absolutely. Um, what, what should we do? Well, we'll make some dinosaurs. Okay. And then they go, here we go. I made some dinosaurs. Like, well, we need them to move. <laughs> like, oh. Shit. <laughs> well, I guess if I put my hand under it and kind of wiggle it around, that's moving, isn't it? But it works. <laughs> I, I don't think it's that low budget. I feel quite the opposite. I feel like they really made an effort. And probably not the first time, but they're really, really like flaunting the fact that the BBC has just got its first green screen. <laughs> <laughs> we get so many of those shots. And they look great. We even get them driving under a dinosaur. Yes, exactly. That's like taken from uh, Jurassic World, isn't it? Well, or Jurassic Park. I, I think you'll find that it was the other way around. Oh. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> I think in, I don't know, I'd be curious actually what it was like to watch it when it first came out, whether everyone was just like, oh my God, it's like real dinosaurs, or whether there was an element of, hmm, but <laughs> it the, looks a bit rubbery to me. But even now, is it that we've become more discerning now? Obviously, effects nowadays are way, way more sophisticated, but if something isn't sophisticated enough, if something isn't entirely you know, believable, passable, we tend to criticize it. I mean, even today, we'll watch a multi, like hundred of, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of special effects type movie, and we'll still go, nah, that time when the Hulk hits the whatever looked a little CGI to me. Yeah. Do you think back in the, the day, people just weren't like that? They would see this and they're like, well, yeah, but imagination, guys. Well, I think it's, it's quite often, actually, you just get amazed with the technology at the time. And even though it doesn't look as realistic as real, you just kind of go with it. I That's a very know, good point, actually. Because I remember watching back the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. And they, they were incredible when they came out. I remember just being absolutely in awe at them. And then you watch them back and it's like, oh, this is actually dated quite quickly. And it's like, how? Like, space of a few years. That is true. And I, I found that quite an eye-opening thing. And I, I do wonder, since that moment, kind of like how often that happens in cinema. Because there are some things you just, you just realise, that's a really crap effect. Like, someone spent a lot of time and money on it, but it's still crap. Yeah. 
but there are other times you you think this isn't the most groundbreaking thing ever and you go back to it like loads of cgi these days you go back to it from five ten years ago and it's terrible yeah that's true but, it, the, but I mean, technology the time, develops yeah. exponentially as well so yeah. like considering how long ago this was was this 74 70, 73 or 74 73 74 like considering that time period yeah this probably holds up better than it's incredibly well done. like cgi from the early 90s or something that's true because with the exception of maybe one film i can think of which is jurassic park <laughs> <laughs> but most of it was real mechanical stuff uh, wasn't it a lot of it was but they did cgi there as well right i mean you get all the dinosaurs yeah, running around yeah the f- sort of flocking bits yeah exactly but they, you know i think yeah they had like a massive t-rex head yeah and that would be my only criticism of T-Rex in this one, okay. um, is how tiny its head is. <laughs> like, I've not seen a real T-Rex. I don't know if I've... I probably have seen a skeleton, actually. But it didn't seem like the right proportion. No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's kind of job one when you're making a replica I mean, of a dinosaur. It also does change relative size throughout this serial. Occasionally, it will be the size of, you know... Uh, two houses stacked atop each other. Yeah. But then Sarah Jane can go up and take a picture of it, and she's... Like roughly as tall as it is until it stands up, at which point it's as tall as one building. Yeah. You know, so I think I'm willing to be forgiving about that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I didn't... I spotted that a couple of times. I think it was the um, the Stegosaurus, I think I noticed at one point was literally the size of a building and then yeah. <laughs> was the size of a car. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then it's just large enough to block the entrance to the underground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I already popped that one in my pocket. (laughs) But I think most time I just didn't care. It was like... Because they're they're quite different shots as well. And it was like, I'm just looking at a dinosaur now. I'm not really caring about... Even though the uh, the sets they did behind the dinosaur... Because it was obviously like a little miniature set they did. Yeah, exactly. For the most part. I thought they were beautiful, actually. They they look fantastic. They they had a weird kind of arty feel to them. They didn't look realistic. (laughs) (laughs) But... It was quite beautiful. They're like uh, a really, really posh doll's house. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> I, I really feel like someone spent a shitload of time like making a miniature um, city for yeah. the dinosaurs to basically Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the T-Rex and uh, whatever it is. What was it? Diplodocus, Brontosaurus, Patasaurus, whatever it's called. One of those things. That love scene is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the thwack sound when it... <laughs> Hits it with the tail is amazing, and the T Rex just takes the whole Brontosaurus in its mouth, and yeah. it's just oh, it's very sexy. I, I may have written a note of Dino and Dino action. <laughs> nice. So, <laughs> but we we are focusing a lot on the dinosaurs, on the dinosaurs, which yeah. you would expect given you... the title of the serial. <laughs> and yet, and yet, <laughs> there are at least three different like. They're all connected, obviously, but there are three proper plots going on here. One is, we've got to fight the dinosaurs, or we've got to find and fight the dinosaurs. Yeah. One is political intrigue, conspiracy, going up to the, reaching up to the highest levels yeah. of governments. And double-cross and traitors. Yeah. And then we have space invaders. <laughs> <laughs> to quote a past episode of Who Back When, we have a literal subplot, because we have a subterranean narrative in this serial. Uh, and it's not entirely dissimilar from the first time we had one in um, Enemy of the World, which is a Troughton serial. Uh, there's a whole subplot of people who are living below ground thinking that they are elsewhere. Oh. They think that the world has basically ended and that they are, well, they, they know where they are, but they think that they are like the only remaining people, basically. Yeah. And um, they think they're in a big bunker. 
Yeah, exactly. Waiting for the radiation to die down or something. Yeah, basically. And in this case, they're underground, and they also think that they're like they're just waiting to be ready to go out and see the world, but they think that they're in a spaceship. Yeah. It's very sim. I mean, the the dynamic down there is very similar to the dynamic in Enemy of the World. And we also get the guy who pretends like he pantomimes, he puts on a suit, and he goes into the bunker and pretends <laughs> that, oh, no, actually, it's exactly as you think it is, and yada, yada. What did you think of that whole st- story? Um, I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I I kind of liked Sarah Jane trying to sum this up. Well, she didn't even attempt to sum it up. She comes back through the airlock, I think. Yeah. And is it Mark, I think he's called? Uh, do you mean not Billy Zane? Not, not <laughs> Billy Zane. <laughs> the the one who jumped some very particular distance that Sarah Jane yeah. just happens to remember. <laughs> That's right. She's fangirling big time. And he's asking, like, what, what the hell's out there? Like, what's the other side of this airlock? You know, what's going on? I thought I was on a spaceship for the, yeah. the last three months. And, like, <laughs> the world had blown up. Like, and she goes, it's too complicated to explain now. But it's something to do with altering the course of time. Oh, great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Sarah James. I'll, I'll just take that at face value. That's fine. <laughs> like, it's one thing to think maybe I've been duped and have been stuck down in some cubicle for a while but altering time yeah, yeah that's we, fine we that's roll fine. with that as well why not just say that you're in a bunker and then let them learn the rest of it afterwards yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay here's a question for you why does she close the airlock door when she comes back in why not just leave it open and everyone will find out right away i know um, <laughs> or even like when she's talking to them later like she's struggling to get them on their side yeah and it's like, well, just just go to just the airlock again. Just do it. Like, We're about to kill you anyway. Yeah, like, <laughs> showing will work here. <laughs> you don't need faith. <laughs> like, just go on out the airlock and they'll go, oh, oh, shit, it's not a ship after all. Two questions for you. Question one, did you recognise the Lady Elder? I did. Do you know from where? No. I, I, I had to look her up and I absolutely, I knew like, I know who this is. I know who this is. She's on the tip of my brain. <laughs> she is Carmen Silvera from Allo Allo. Oh, is she now? She's, <laughs> yes, she's the Marta Familias in Allo Allo. Okay. And it turns out she's actually been on, on Doctor Who before. She was one of the, one of the something, I can't remember what she was, but she was in The Celestial Toymaker, a real masterpiece of a serial, if you're, if you're ever curious. Uh, probably not. <laughs> That's pretty terrible. Um, so this is a bit early for Allo Allo. It can't be that much earlier. Hello, hello. is in oh, no. the 80s, isn't it? Is it 80s? I think it's in the 80s. Like, l- late 80s. Not late 80s. Okay, I'm going to look I feel it like, up. I, well, <laughs> I was about to say, I read shit, <laughs> or I don't remember it. I, I think, actually, it's probably both. <laughs> it's, I remember really liking Hello, hello. Uh, I mean, I saw it as a kid. I'm finding it. I'm finding it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Hello, hello. Oh, you're right. It's not late 80s. It's 82. 82. Oh, wait. No, no, no. 82. To, wait, 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 wait. It ran in the late 80s. A, a, a brief hello, hello tangent. How long did you, do you think it ran for? I don't know. Six years? Ten years, buddy. Holy yeah. cheapers. 82 to 92. Wow. I probably did see it in the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're still nearly a decade. Yeah, that's true. Before. Yeah. Anyway, so not foreshadowing any careers or anything. Yeah. <laughs> she was just in a couple of productions. Yeah, and then at she some was, point in well, her I career, I think she did a, a bunch of stuff. But this is the only stuff that I know her from. Yeah. So okay, so that was question one. Question two about her or about them in general. Why do you think that, as far as they're aware, in this fake spaceship, why do you think only the, these two elders and one long jumper? <laughs> Are awake. I don't know. <laughs> I don't 
get most of this little subplot, I have to say. <laughs> like, the fact that... And what, I can't remember what her name... I can't remember what her name is. But she then goes, I've Oh, but here I'm Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... We've all changed our names. Okay. And... And he's Big Bird, right? Yeah, yeah. He's something, something, but here he is, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, if she'd been Eve and he had been Adam, yeah, oh, it so would, wait, have, been, so you would want, have been creepy as hell. But. Yeah, you want Allo Allo and uh, <laughs> not Billy Zane to procreate on, the, on New Earth. I meant the old guy, to be fair, but... Uh, oh, I see. Because <laughs> they, they were the elders, those two. Yeah. Isn't uh, it gross that they refer to themselves as the elders? Yeah. Hello, we are the elders... Like, oh fuck why would well, you what? no <laughs> and why do you have to be awake for this journey surely you should be resting somewhere <laughs> do you remember what he was the old guy because she was i can't remember what she, they, was she a minister i think so she had been interviewed by um sarah jane, sarah yeah. jane at some point i can't remember what she, he was. she was lady something, oh he I was think. a he was a writer uh yeah she's a politician he's a writer and the young bit not billy zane he's an athlete yeah the the perfect combination to create the human race again yeah but and it's also not like oh well we want to invest our respective skills in some ways like oh so we have the politician to be the leader and then we have the writer to bring a bit of humanity he just immediately goes no i'm like whittling wooden bowls (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm doing nowadays yeah (laughs) i think my brain might have zoned out a little bit through most of these scenes i was just i was just like what is going on (laughs) I went long jumper guy. He's standing up at one point and is flipping through like a video screen thing, which is which is them showing off their green screen. Oh yeah, and it's just got like two buttons on the wall, and he's just <laughs> doing the most complicated. Like, I believe just got a slideshow loaded up continuously, <laughs> but he's like showing the other ships in the fleet and stuff. It's like going to be going through all these little video things, and he's just going random flick, random flick. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's the one machine that works, because I think all the others are duff, aren't they? Also. Yeah, that one works, and then the propaganda machine works. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, We're exactly. fresh out of propaganda, send someone <laughs> over. <laughs> Preferably in a really dodgy spacesuit. I, <laughs> I love that spacesuit. I think it's fantastic. That's like an actual spacesuit, as in it's, a, it, it's it was, an actual spacesuit prop, is what I mean. It was so close. Like, he was, like, unscrewing the hand, yeah, exactly. uh, the gloves. And, I like that when then, he shows up, the first thing he does is like, here, take my glove. Yeah. <laughs> but then the, the, the second one isn't actually connected. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, damn it. You were so close. That, that was like a brilliant entrance. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question about the propaganda machine. So there are, if I'm not mistaken, there are two different forms of propaganda machine in the serial uh, okay. on the fake spaceship. There's the, here, just watch a video, like watch National Geographic. Here's, here's your intro montage. Yeah. And and every now and then they go like, oh, so have you been... I can't remember what they say. It's not re-educated, but it's something it's to that re- effect. It's re-something, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. It's like, oh, do you feel better now? Or do you need to watch more re-education <laughs> videos or whatever? Yeah. She's like, no, no, it's fine. I've seen enough about global warming. It's okay. And number two, green lights. Do you remember when she's sat in a uh, in a spinny chair and there are green lights in like, four corners of the room? And whichever way she spins, she's always facing a green light. She's like, oh, no, i got to spin here. No, I've I, I got to get away from this green light and spin to the right. No, there's another green light. <laughs> and it seems as though that's some sort of brainwashing technique. Yeah. But it's never followed up on as far as I'm aware. No, I think there are a few things that aren't. <laughs> and I, uh, I dare you to name one more. Uh, uh, um, the peasant from the age of King John. He's explained as a mistake. 
Yeah, <laughs> literally one line. <laughs> the, sorry, this this writer's left. Uh, we don't know what they had planned for him. <laughs> it seems pretty precise when they pick what to gather from the past, right? You get you get to see yeah. a natural dinosaur. We get to see it done to a pterodactyl at one point. Yeah. So how do you miss the pterodactyl and hit this one jump, dude? Jump a few billion years. <laughs> Million years. It seems, yeah. That, that was me shrugging. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> I don't know. It was a pretty long time ago. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, okay. I, I, I still can't get my head around this is the plot. <laughs> <laughs> this is genuinely the plot is that someone thought, right, the world's fucked. Yep. Human beings are greedy. Yeah. What we need to do is reset it to some golden age, which, unless I'm wrong, they're never clear where they're going to reset it to. Uh, did, did I miss that? Yeah, I mean, it, one of my thoughts here whilst watching it was, are you going to transport these poor civilians to the age of dinosaurs where they will all get eaten? <laughs> I, so I, I thought maybe it's the age of dinosaurs, maybe it's the medieval, or, but it has to be somewhere there's no humans. Yeah, and presumably, so as in no humans, no no dinosaurs, no ice age. Still, an environment that's green and flourishing, and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, is it? Maybe they're going to coexist with Neanderthal. Neanderthal, maybe. Homo erectus just starts come around, and they land. No, they don't land, but you know, they walk out their spaceship and go. Sorry, Sunny, <laughs> <laughs> we're bypassing this, but <laughs> or they mix with them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you it's genetically. Was it good for you? Do you want to go clubbing later on? No, oh, no that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what else proud. did? Yeah, <laughs> I bet he is. Okay, what else did not work out for you here? Oh, I'm still, I'm still the, the plot. What, oh, okay, what? <laughs> like it's what? <laughs> okay, like I, I super love it, and it's it's absurdity. <laughs> like someone sat down and and worked all this out, and it's like so we're gonna call it invasion of dinosaurs. Yep. Um, and there will be dinosaurs. Yep, yep. We're going to pull them from the past. That's right. Um, That's hilarious, by the way. Spidey, Spidey vision. <laughs> no, no I, oh, sorry. I, I oh, can really cut you off, by the way. But it, just to interpolate, I think it's hilarious that people find it unbelievable that there are dinosaurs from the past. They're like, no, these dinosaurs came from elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're from they're dinosaurs. You refer to them as dinosaurs. To be fair, I think I would be with them. It's like, I wouldn't expect someone to have invented time travel and brought a dinosaur back. <laughs> I would probably more think it's a Jurassic Park lunacy kind of like from Amber thing, you know. Like if you've got time travel and you're that precise to bring a dinosaur back, maybe I've watched too much of this show because time travel would absolutely be up there. Like it's in one of my top two theories. If we, if we encounter dinosaurs, it's going to be one of those two. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off there. But yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna bring these dinosaurs back, but they're not the real thing. They're just a distraction. Yes, exactly. From the real job, <laughs> which is... Slash practice. I feel like they're also, they're honing their machine. Yeah, I guess. No? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Why would you need to do that with dinosaurs? Could you not just... <laughs> a <laughs> rock. Said, yeah. A nice, simple <laughs> rock. Or just aim, aim it at something inconspicuous. Like just send a, a small bird... And no one will notice. Yeah. yeah, maybe biologists will notice if you keep it up for like 10 years or something. But otherwise, you're definitely attracting attention. The attention of the military. <laughs> yeah, to the point where they have to evacuate 8 million people. <laughs> like, I'm not quite sure. What where are they? What time has passed here? <laughs> but I've, I feel like that. Two weeks, two weeks. Maximum two weeks. They arrive two weeks after they left. 
Is it really? Is I think, that established? I think, I think they actually say that. So these people who have been so. three months in the um, the not spaceship. Oh, that went on. That, for that was long already before. happening. Oh yeah, yeah. Because otherwise they were. Otherwise it would have been like, hey, there are lots of dinosaurs out there. Do you want to go into space? <laughs> this is just like do your thing, sell your house. One of them actually did, and then come and yeah. you know come and join us in space. So going going back to the clarifying the plot thing. Yeah. So we're we're testing testing with the dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But what we really want to do is grab some people who would be really great in the future if they were let to do their own thing. Not many of them, by the way. Not that many. Just just the ones that we can convince. Like, like, 50, like 50 people? I think they say 200 at one point. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Fine. 200 people. Yeah. But <laughs> just the ones that we can convince yeah. that the planet and the human race is beyond redemption. Yep. Like, everything is fucked. Correct. Like, the world's about to blow up and we're going to put you in this spaceship which is way beyond any technology we currently have. <laughs> And you know what? There's seven of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to send you to this planet we found, which is habitable. Yeah. Which is way beyond any technology we already have. Yeah, but people don't question this. And um, yeah, you're going to travel for three months and then um, you're going to start a new <laughs> colony for us and you're going to carry on the human race somewhere else. Yeah. And they just go, yeah. Meanwhile, what we're really doing <laughs> is uh, rewinding time mm-hmm. on Earth to undo all the mistakes that greedy humans have done. Correct. So honor everyone except who's underground. In in that little... In that room. Port, well, the, the tight radius of the evacuation area. Yeah, really? that's true. Does that mean that there are... Are there six more bunkers? I don't know if there's the seven ships thing is... Is it actually bollocks. just one? There's actually just know. the one, isn't there? I think it's the people, the scientists and Grover, who... I don't know if this has come up before, but I'm sure he is referred to as... Oh, I've lost it. Minister with special powers. Yes. Yep. Yeah? Yep. That's That's correct. <laughs> Did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> Has this come up before? This this particular job? No, I don't think so. But is that a thing? Is I don't that, know. Is with special powers, maybe that's something... Like, I mean, there's a... Uh, what's it called? Military... Oh, martial law is the word I'm looking for. So th- there's, there's martial law reigning in London at the moment. So maybe m- special powers is something like, well, we're giving you authority over yeah, the military like a or something temporary like that. Temporary title. Yeah, normally this chap would be Minister of Education. <laughs> something He's something the best like qualified in this situation, <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So, you know, any point of my summation of the plot that you have issues with or <laughs> No, I think all of that works splendidly. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I don't think that Maybe they didn't need to fetch dinosaurs, but yeah. I'm so glad that they did because they look great. Well, yeah. Yeah. I find the plot more believable because they're willing to sacrifice themselves. Like, they are such fanatics. They believe in this so intensely, so so unquestioningly, that they're willing to undo themselves for this ideal. I thought they were pretty much safe, isn't the idea that they're going along for the ride as well? No, I don't think so. I think Grover et al. even say, like, no. It's fine. We're all going to be unmade. Mankind doesn't really deserve this. And uh, I must have missed that. I think so. Well, oh, I, I know. Uh, is it Yates that says it? Maybe. I mean, I Yates, know. I don't really get why Yates does this. No. So, Yates was wonderful. He was such a good guy before, even though he was no Benton. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was like a, a super good dude. And he's been on in tons of serials. And then he was brainwashed in the in the Green Death. But I was sure that he was fixed. Like, 
Oh, you, you think it might have been a it's only hanger the, around from that? Yeah, maybe there's like residual brainwashing. Or the fact that... It, is it in the Green Death where you have all the hippies, where you have the hi- hippie cult? Yeah. So is it maybe that he was convinced by the people who saved him that, you know, everything, everything for the environment, and now... But why does he not learn that what they do is try and convince corporations not to pollute? Why does he take it as, oh, yeah. Let's... Bring back dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, there's nothing that clear from his motivation, other than that he um, isn't happy going too far with it. Like he... Yeah. When he finds out that... He doesn't want to kill people. Yeah, the, the stun gun is set to explode and he ends up... Oh, was it set to explode? I think it was something like that. Like, he, he realises that the thing he'd been given would have killed the Doctor or... Well, it, they they had deliberately sent the T-Rex to where the Doctor was. Yeah. So, and he's, Oh, no, maybe it was that. Maybe I thought it was that the stun gun exploded. But, but he's not okay with them killing the Doctor, but he is okay with them unmaking all of mankind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really make sense. Okay, can we take a moment to just admire the stun gun, though? <laughs> <laughs> if you want. Why does it look like that? I mean, like, the doctor just goes, I'm just going to cobble something together really quick. And then he comes out with the shiniest, most beautiful space <laughs> gun ever. I want it. That's a beautiful prop. It is beautiful. I, but, do, I don't know. But I'm like, did he make a cast for well, it? Did he like, paint it? <laughs> is this the scene where he was really shitty with everyone because he was trying to concentrate? Yeah. Yeah. It's because, you know, he's a perfectionist. Like, <laughs> don't interrupt me. I'm making art. <laughs> <laughs> making art. Okay. But it, no, I, I agree. It was it was definitely more than functional. Yeah, it didn't have to be for yeah. that. Could have just been a, a little potato gun. I mean, compare it to the 13th Doctor making her Sonic. Sort of, you know, on it's not on the battlefield in either case, but it's like, shit, there's a crisis going on. Yeah. There's not much time. We need to use what we have uh, to hand to cobble together a space gadget that can solve the immediate situation. And the 13th Doctor, like, way more realistically, obviously, not super realistically, but more realistically, yeah. comes up with something that's like, oh, I'm melting a spoon and it doesn't look great because I made it ad hoc. And he comes out with the fucking Cadillac of ray guns. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does nip in and out of the TARDIS, doesn't he, to get materials and stuff. Oh, I does think, he? I think. Oh, I don't maybe know. he does. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that's later. So maybe he actually just had one of those ray guns in the TARDIS and then modded it or something in this I one. I don't know. He's definitely tinkering with it for quite a while. Yeah, like you're he, right, actually. I don't know if he... Maybe, yeah, maybe he didn't whip it up from scratch, but he definitely does a lot to it. Oh, maybe I'm being too nitpicky here. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, so what about Sarah Jane in this? Sarah Jane? Hmm. I mean, she's separate from the Doctor for most of it. Yeah, much like her first one. That's true. Hmm. Well, actually, hang on. Is she, though, is it maybe half and half? Because she is with the Doctor under arrest and running with him, like, in pseudo-post-apocalyptic London, which I loved, by the way. That's fantastic. The beginning is amazing. Yeah. The start is, although my first note is, um, oh my God, it's so quiet, apart from all of these birds. <laughs> <laughs> Someone went a bit over the top with the uh, bird soundtrack. <laughs> and one dog. <laughs> But yeah, like they uh, they show that looter that's crash, crash his car and he's just lying dead on the floor. I don't, I don't know if he was meant to have crashed into a dinosaur. Cause I think so. Because we hear some stuff, but we don't see anything at that point. He must have crashed into a dinosaur. And yeah. Then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't get eaten. He's just dead on the ground. Yeah, he just has a car crash. Which, yeah. 
That's a bit sad, really. That is <laughs> quite like, sad. But you're literally in an environment where there are dinosaurs and you just have a car crash. That is, that is a bit sad. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that he crashed. He swerved because he saw a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. We may even hear a dinosaur scream or something like that. But, but that entire beginning bit with post-apocalyptic London, as in empty streets and, yeah, just looting. That's fantastic. The fact that we have looting as part of the narrative here as well, I loved. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting... I'm not entirely sure how I feel about this this start because my last note for the first episode yeah. is imagine having to wait an entire week when you've literally seen a tiny bit of a pterodactyl. Oh, that's true. And this is, is that called how the first one ends? Um, I forget exactly where it ends, but they've I think they've been arrested. The the T Rex that oh, no, explodes out of the building that's in black and white. I feel that's yeah that's the end. Is that the oh that is the end? Yeah. So I guess you've just seen the T Rex. That's not just a T Rex. You've seen. A- <laughs> T-Rex, dude. It's enormous. It's awesome. Yeah. But wait, hang on. You asked about Sarah Jane and then, like, the sexist pigs that we are. We started talking about men. True. Sarah Jane is with the Doctor for maybe two episodes? Do they get separated in episode three? I think it is three, yeah. And then she has her own thing, and I think she's great. I mean, when she's on the fake spaceship, she's fantastic. Yeah. I I don't understand why they put her on that spaceship. (laughs) No. She's the only one who knows the truth. Let's put her among all the people who know none of the truth. Yeah. That can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and this is all done by General Finch, really, isn't it? Uh, who I, I don't think I can really work out why he's kind of in this. I don't know. He just sort of pops up and he, he's very smarmy around her. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Maybe that's why she ends up in the, um, the colony. He wants to save her for later. Oh, do you think so? I See, know. I think that General Finch is also going to be a- undone. And I think he knows it. Well, if that's the case, then I don't know why he puts her in there. No. But Otherwise, you're absolutely right. Maybe, actually, of the people who are involved in it, the scientists, they, I think they're, I mean, they're, they're ready to sacrifice themselves, I think. Uh, Grover certainly is. Okay. Maybe Finch is the one who's devious enough to just go, no. I know where the lift downstairs is. I'm just going to take yeah. it. When He's the real comes. evil master villain. Yeah. So I, I wrote down General Finch, the undead general, in my <laughs> notes, and then I looked him up, and uh, he's described on IMDb as, I quote, the rather emaciated-looking John Bennett. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what, in his biography? That's his IMDb bio. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. I know. He hasn't appeared yet, but he will reappear uh, in Doctor Who in a, a, a legendary serial, namely The Talons of Weng Chiang. Wow. In which he plays, I believe, a Chinese man. Oh. Uh, so maybe not the pride and joy of the BBC in terms of political uh, correctness. Guessing not. No, but, uh, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, and apparently he's, he was famous. This is also according to his IMDb bio. He's famous for, in his various roles, not just Doctor Who, but in his general various roles, uh, portraying various uh, ethnicities. So oh. this is like, this is in the days of the BBC just going, yeah, fuck it. Just yeah. slap this makeup or whatever uh, on so that guy. And now he's from that part of the world. He must have had an amazing career in the 70s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been rewatching some Monty Python. And, oh, really? oh, oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 70s really... I've said it before, I think, on this bo- very podcast, that they have a lot to answer for. <laughs> in, in Britain, at least, anyway. Yeah, well, most of the place, yeah. unfortunately. So that's General Finch. Did you recognise Grover? Oh, now I can't remember if you've seen the reference or not. Oh, I don't know if I did recognise him, actually. It's Grover, Noel Johnson. Johnson. He played the General, a.k.a. the pub landlord, in With Nell and I. 
Oh, really? That's him. These shall be my pleasure. I can't, Time, I gentlemen. I can't quite think of the character, but... The guy okay. who's uh, okay. pulling points for them, or like pouring uh, whiskey for them while the poachers there, you know, don't you threaten me with a dead fish, that scene. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I need to watch it again. That's so bloody good. Yeah, you do. It's fantastic. Do. And everyone in podcast land as well, please. Yes. All of us. <laughs> At the <laughs> end of this up. podcast. Let's meet up. Yeah. <laughs> Come over here. I'll bang it on the TV. Is that it for Sarah Jane? Anything else about no, Sarah Jane? No, because I, I want to put a thought out there. Okay. I think Sarah Jane does more to solve this situation than the Doctor does. How? <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't transfer over in the edit, there was a lot of contemplation <laughs> a <laughs> silently of from, from Leon there. <laughs> yeah, how? Because she convinces the not-colonists. Yeah. Hello, hello, and not Billy Zane. Yep. <laughs> and other guy. Yeah. Who I originally, I was looking him up, actually, because he reminded me of John Sim. And I was seeing if they were oh, related. Really? Yeah. But they're not. <laughs> oh. What a disappointment. That would have been cool. What a fantastic. Imagine. He was related. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, yeah, because by them coming out of their not spaceship, yeah, they basically bring everything to a head. And yeah, the Doctor's a Time Lord, so he can grab the knob and stop in the Deus Ex Machina scene at the, at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I, I that's kind true. Of, I forgot I kind that of, they ambushed them. Yeah, I kind of don't want to accept that that's the real way this happens, is that the Doctor's a Time Lord, so reversal of time doesn't apply to him. But we've had that, we've even had that in New Who, in uh, the, the second ever episode of New Who uh, with Eccleston, End of the World, we see Eccleston walk from one side of a massive fan to the other side of that fan. He's just like closing his eyes and then he walks past it. And it's just a fan. Somehow he slows down time in order to walk through it. No, it's just cool. They're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> he is both cool and he slows down time. So, it, uh, But I agree. I mean, it's just as bullshit in that scene in New Who. See, the thing is, I I've think... forgotten that all the subterranean colonists, that they show up in that room. At the yeah. End. It's the thing. It's like... Like the, there are people conspiring against the Doctor, or at least against what he's trying to do. So he doesn't have it easy. Yeah, that's for sure. He's getting he's got Yates, who he thought he could trust, turning against him and putting things on his stun gun and all yeah. this kind of stuff. But basically, everything he's trying to do, I don't think works. He kind of he kind of unravels a little bit, and they end up blowing up the underground and going down there. Yeah, at the same time that Sarah Jane is coming up, coming up and stuff. Yeah. Um. No, you're right, actually. But, I don't know. I, I feel like she does an incredible job of, of well, she could have just opened the airlock and we, we established <laughs> yeah. this earlier. Like, it could have been a lot shorter, but, like, she wakes up and realises that things aren't as they seem. Yeah. She's convinced, you know, her, her gut is telling her and she's staying with it. She checks her head and is like, no, I got this scar, or not scar, this injury, and it hasn't healed. I haven't been here three months. Yeah, it's been hours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. The doctor, he does... I feel like the Doctor does more work in order to get to the same point, though. I mean, the reason that she and the colonists arrive in the lab is simply because the bad guys have been dumb enough to put them beneath the <laughs> lab. Uh, and the reason the Doctor arrives there is because he spends several episodes trying to uh, like track the signal and capture a dinosaur and take readings and stuff. So he gets to do all the brainy what's-its. Yeah. Uh, and then the companion gets to do the, maybe more the human and the action side of it. I mean, she stages a revolution, effectively. Yeah. And he is cleverer than everyone else. 
He, I guess, he uses his technology or technological advanced society yeah. background. Yeah, and um, his new space car. But he shows up with units. A unit is in the lab as well, right? I mean, yeah, because it, yeah, because he went out and tracked everything down. Yeah, because he he went there the first time, walked around, got caught on CCTV. Yeah, <laughs> well done. <laughs> I, how does he get out of there again? I've forgotten, actually. Because they don't... They track him, and they're like, no, close this door. You go in here, go into yeah. the lift. But then what? I've kind of forgotten. He get, he goes back in... Oh, they, they set him up, don't they? Everyone... Then the military arrest him, saying that he's he's the one that has been making the dinosaurs appear. Oh, but that's also so dumb. Just leave him locked up in the lift yeah. or something. But it, but this is the thing that bothered me, like, with the Doctor in this episode. It's that particular scene, I think, yeah. more than anything, is just that he, he just goes in without any kind of plan which is fine that's what the doctor does sure but then gets caught on cctv is literally a rat in a maze yeah and doesn't have any other way of getting out there but his way of escaping that is by getting caught yeah you're right and they could have done much more without it he's just he's just a bit dumb like so wait so so does i had forgotten about this so that maze leads him to the t-rex it's where the t-rex was i think by that time it's woken up and gone Oh, right. Or gone back. And or then, been sent uh, back in time. the undead general shows up with the brig and goes like, oh, caught red-handed. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then when he gets back with the brigadier, he takes him back to the place where the little lift was. Yeah. And it's not there. And it's not there. And he's like, well, I'm stumped. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes a very long time to get yeah, you're right. him back to carrying on that investigation with the brigadier and blowing up the... Like, it, it literally takes him the entire serial Yeah. to kind of work out what's going on and... And end up at the same point where, yeah, I, I admit Sarah Jane kind of stumbles into it and stuff. But I don't know. It just, it just struck me as he wasn't particularly in control a lot of this time. Yeah, you're right. A lot, a lot of things could have gone badly. The the scene where he takes the brig back, it just occurs to me, is very similar to that scene in Moonraker. Where does this stand in terms of the production of Moonraker? I do not know. Is this after Moonraker? Because if it's after Moonraker, which it p- probably is, actually... I feel like Moonraker's 70s. I don't know when. Isn't this right after Star Wars Episode 4? By which I mean Star Wars. Screw you who called it. Well, that would be 77. Oh, is it? Oh, you're right. God. Earlier today, I nearly had to take your Doctor Who badge off. Do you have to take the Star Wars one as well? No. (laughs) (laughs) I deserve it. Because there's a scene in Moonraker where he's like, oh, come and look at this uh, lab in in Venice. The do-do-do-do-do lab, you know. I, I don't remember it that clearly. No? I have seen it a few times. But. The, the, the keypad makes that melody. Well, well, you have to play that melody to get in. And when he opens it, it's just like, oh, it's a glass shop or whatever it is. It's like, oh, damn, there's nothing here. And then when everyone else leaves, he's like, do 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 No, he goes like, oh, here, but I kept one of the vials. Clearly, I was telling the truth. In fact, Moonraker is about selecting a bunch of, like, genetically superior people, putting them on a spaceship, poisoning everyone on Earth, and then bringing them back down to turn it into New Eden. Seriously? That's what Moonraker is about. I am the best. Boom. Drop the mic. They're the same story. This is Moonraker meets Jurassic Park. You, you've, no, you've blown my mind in two different ways. Okay. One is that they ripped off this serial. Yeah. Two is... Bond films have plots? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moonraker is just a, a rip-off of, um, oh, is it Thunderball? I think, I think they're basically the same one, aren't they? Like, one is in space and the other one's underwater. Is it Thunderball? Now I can't remember anymore. 
Fuck it, who cares? Is that the where it's the um the lotus that goes underwater? No, that's a different thing. It might oh, no, I think that's no. in Moonraker. Is that Moonraker? Isn't the Lotus of You to a Kill? I feel like that's of You to a Kill. We got on a weird James Bond tangent. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you mentioned speaking of cars, you mentioned the Who Mobile. I did. Did you like it? It was a little bit of a, of a what the fuck moment. <laughs> I have to admit. Had you seen pictures of it before? I have seen it before. Yeah. Um, I, I'm assuming this is not the end of this this car. Apparently, it will reappear. Yeah. And it, well, I, I know that it will reappear because I didn't know that this is where it appeared the first time. I was thrilled to bits when he brought it out. It's, it's such a weird throwaway in this. Oh, yeah. Guess who insisted that it be in Doctor Who? Pertwee. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who was one of the co-designers of this car? <laughs> wow. It was originally called the Alien. Okay. It was designed or designed by Pertwee and this other dude, this, um, I can't remember if it was a car or race car designer or something like that. And the version that we see of the Who-Mobile, it's never called the Who-Mobile. Maybe it's called that later on, I don't know. But Pertwee referred to it as the Who-Mobile. And he right. would use this in his spare time, by the way. He would show <laughs> Just up- Just down like, the shops. Well, he would show up at like conventions and PR gigs- driving this thing. So I looked it up and uh, the form of it that we see in this serial is not the final form. Oh. The uh, the glass, the wind like the windscreen is uh, an interim one. They couldn't get the final one uh, for this episode. Apparently it's going to like open it's it be flips a, open like a cockpit base like right. airplane cockpit or jet cockpit or whatever. So this one's just stationary and the one that is used in this one comes from a motorboat. The actual window comes from a motorboat. Oh. And it gets better. Okay, so, oh yeah, by the way, sorry, it should say the script originally called for the doctor riding it to ride a motorcycle. And but we just went, <laughs> fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> I've got something so much better. <laughs> oh, what a silver chariot. <laughs> they struggled to get to define this vehicle to make it street legal. It's street legal? It was street legal at the end, wow. but it was never defined as a car. It was a something like a motorized tricycle. Trike, yeah. And uh, then it disappeared. And not many years ago, it was bought. It showed up on an auction. Oh, wow. Incorrectly labeled as a speedboat. (laughs) Uh, And we're talking something like in the last 15 years or something. Wow. And it was sold for £1,200. So um... Someone bought it for £1,200 because it was incorrectly labeled as a speedboat. And they got, did they still have it as like a, in their personal collection? Or presumably, a, I found a website. I mean, you read podcast now. You don't have to look far to find what I found because yeah. I did not do that much digging. But I found a website where they they just look for obscure sci-fi shit. And this one dude, uh, it's, it's an American site, and this this dude who runs the website, it just like. Holy shit, if I had known, <laughs> yeah. I would have just gone over to the UK and picked up this thing. And I don't care how much it would cost to transport it back. It's worth so much more. Plus, it would be the coolest thing to have. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. anyway, uh, he didn't know where it came from. Oh, sorry, where it had ended up. But he knows right. that, that it was sold for 1200 And I'm now thinking, I don't know how Miriam would feel about this, but... I mean, you're going to make your own. I really want to. <laughs> like, I desperately want to. Maybe you can make a miniature first. Well, I, I wonder how... Can you? Are you allowed to just build something like that and then drive it around in traffic? I don't know what the requirements are to make it road Street legal. Like, yeah, I think if it can pass an MOT, then you're probably all right. So tempted I don't to know. just learn how to build engine stuff <laughs> to make one of these things. Oh, Just make it electric. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. To be continued. Yeah, anyway. So that's the... What's it called? 
That's the Humobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About as random as there being dinosaurs in this serial. The Brig makes a reference. Oh, okay. What does he say? I think he says, you'll never get it to fly. Okay, yeah. So that's exactly what's going to happen. It flies. Yeah. I, I missed that line, but yeah. Yeah. So apparently there's a... Well, I saw a screenshot. They put it against a green screen, presumably. And it, it was a screenshot of it flying around, so... Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't understand the timing of the, it coming in, because he's now got control of his TARDIS again. Yeah, he does. Why does he need this thing? <laughs> yeah. And what happened to Bessie? So Bessie is the old... The yellow automobile car. or whatever it was. The beautiful Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah. type car. It's called Bessie, I think. Okay. I think. It's either that or whatever. Who cares? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. What ha- that's, that's more Doctor, I feel. This feels like the saint <laughs> and like space 1999, you know. I guess it's... When did, how long has Pertwee been Doctor at this point? Oh, that's a super good question. I don't know. I'm going to find out. Because it, it might be that literal transition of like the end of the 60s into the 70s where space stuff just became so on vogue. <laughs> so he started in 1970. 3rd of Jan, 1970, speared from space. Yeah, so maybe he joined with the legacy. Like, if they'd already written a load of stuff, they'd decided he was going to have this little cute car. Oh, he decided it. The oh, production oh. team had not decided it. Oh, we're, really? now in, we're now in 74, by the way. We pr- you probably said this before. Yeah. So we're now in 74, um, almost exactly four years later, 12th of Jan, uh, 74. He's established. People know him as like the cool doctor, I guess. But so he, he decided on the old car as well. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Is that what you said? I thought yeah. you were I was wondering um, if maybe someone already made that decision like when he started and they were thinking mid-60s kind of ideas. Oh, maybe. And he came along and was like, no, wait, we've landed on the moon, man. Everything's about space and futuristic. Have you futuristic. seen my cape? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, maybe he just got on that maybe. vibe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay, I, I don't know how he got it on the show aside from blackmail. I mean, <laughs> that's also a possibility in my mind. What, you know, put, put it on or I'm going to quit? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know that you can't do this show without me. <laughs> I have a contract. I will just, like... You know, I'll sulk. I'll ruin this show. I'll take it down unless you let me have my own car in this. He, um, I don't know how it compares to the previous Doctors, but there are a few occasions where it strikes me that he uses this as a vehicle to have some fun, like the show. Yeah. Because he is um, good at doing voices Yep. and impersonations and stuff. Well, he was a uh, comedian originally, wasn't he? I don't actually know his background, but I know him from like Wurzel Gummidge and oh, he, yeah. he did some... Is that after- radio stuff? Um, is Wurzel Gummidge after this? Uh, it might be actually. It's it's a very similar kind of time frame. It'll be mid seventies. It's, it's in color. I've I've only seen pictures of it. It's in yeah. color, isn't it? It's probably a similar kind of time. Maybe it was right after. Okay. His Din and Doctor Who. I'm not quite sure. So, for those who've never seen it, and I've never seen it either, but is what is he a scarecrow in Wurzel Gummidge? Yes. <laughs> See, it's a show about a scarecrow. Yeah, I I cannot remember the premise beyond that, to be honest. I, I know that he's a scarecrow. There is possibly a female scarecrow that, oh, that he's always trying to woo. I'm not quite sure. I don't, to, know, uh, I don't know how you make a series out of this. Have a roll in the hay? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he he was in a radio series called The Navy Lark. Okay. Um, and he he has a very kind of rolling sound to his voice, I think, quite naturally. I don't, I don't know if it's something to do with... A speech impediment. Like I remember learning that Rowan Axon says "Bob" in that way because he's overcoming a speech impediment. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. And know he, that. he just turned it into a comedy thing. Like 
to to kind of hide the. That's incredibly stutter, impressive. Yeah. So I, I don't know if if Pertwee's voice just naturally has this kind of kind of undertone to it, <laughs> okay, or um, if it is you know something that he's kind of covering up, but he just has a very kind of elastic voice, I guess. Yeah, you know, he likes doing these impressions, and he's played dress up a few times, and yeah, that's true. I I, I do wonder if they maybe they just indulge him a bit because why not? Like he's he's the lead character and. He if you can work in work in his abilities, why not? And if his obsessions, why not as well? You know, I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, the, maybe, maybe no blackmail. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> the 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 previous doctors, I mean, they're super different. Yeah, the first doctor is like a curmudgeon old granddad. Uh, he's, I mean, he's got a good heart and everything, but he's he's normally a bit of a grump, and that's that's his charm. And the second one is a clown, but he's a clown version of that old grump. Right. Uh, and presume well, I don't know, but presumably at the time people were thinking, well, the BBC may have been thinking, well, we have a character, that one character has a character and a, a set of character traits. Let's find another actor who can do the exact same thing. And then they got Troughton, who was comedic and very... He was very much younger and more energetic. Yeah. And he added a little bit of that to it, but... In essence, I think he was cast as a just disheveled version of the first Doctor. This guy is different. This guy is like the 70s took even more coke <laughs> <laughs> and beat up lots of lots of dudes. It's do great. You, so do you think this is them embracing what regeneration can mean for the franchise? I think so, yeah. yeah. More so than between the first and second, certainly. Yeah, interesting. But it may also be like Troughton ends black and white, but we begins in colour. So it's quite a changing time. Yeah, exactly. And maybe they're just thinking, wait, now we're shooting on video. We, we've got greater means. We're not shooting on film anymore. And, and yeah, maybe that maybe that's also a factor. Mm. It gives them free reign to uh, play around with dinosaurs on miniature sets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we haven't really talked about the mad scientists. No. Dr. Helmut Hare and Professor Comover. <laughs> I really paid him very little attention, I have to say. <laughs> I wrote down that his, he's called Whittaker. Oh, yeah, which and is, Butler. Oh, is, oh is, yeah. Is oh, Whittaker. Oh, Whittaker. that didn't even dawn on me until now. That's great. I hadn't even got the other guy's name. <laughs> Whittaker is Comover, right? That's Professor Comover. Possibly, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's Mr. Serious, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Mr. I Can't Lie Convincingly. There's a point where he's, I think he, he's called in to phone... Is he, is he talking to a doctor that, on the that's, phone? That's Comover. Comover yeah. calls the doctor and goes, um, oh, yes, yes. Well, uh, I mean, I, I guess in a way I'm responsible for all, for all this, but I was uh, taken for a ride. I, I, you know, Someone took advantage of my undeniable genius. Yeah. Come and get me. No, I can't go anywhere. I'm too afraid. <laughs> Walk into my <laughs> easily identifiable <laughs> plot to capture you. <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> I'm somewhere else. You have no means of tracking, of tracing this call. <laughs> Doesn't he say that he is by the dinosaur? That's how yeah, he gets. That's how he gets. That's him how there. he gets him there. Exactly. Yeah. So oh, how does he get out of the labyrinth then, or the maze? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> Maybe he just wanders out again. They just forget to close one of the doors, and he's like, "All right, go back up the lift." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. there, there are quite a lot of people in this, actually. There are. Maybe that's why I lose track. I don't know. Here's what I've written. Professor Comover, I'm paraphrasing Professor Comover here. This isn't an actual quote necessarily. It might be part quote. We've been transporting dinosaurs to present day London, but the doctor tracking 
energy readings using science? Why, that's just gobbledygook. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, that's probably not a quote at all. I think that's no, just that's... me having fun. But, like, uh, but yeah. I mean, that's, that's in essence what he says, right? I, I, that does ring a bell. When, yeah. when I think it's Yates who shows up and he's like, listen, the doctor's going to find you. He's using his like skills. He's tracking signals and whatever. And the scientist just goes like, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. That can't be done. Quick, uh, helmet hair. Let's transfer more dinosaurs into central <laughs> London. <laughs> and if you had that like under your literal thumb, yeah. and you know you're going to press the reset at some point, yeah. would you not just like, Fuck it. Let's bring all the dinosaurs back. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Not one at a time. In fact, wait, do you think, slowly but surely, they're making the past dinosaur-free for these, like, 50 guys to populate? Well, they keep sending them back, though. Oh, that's true. Or or it's like they're just on a little timer. It's like, you get 60 seconds to play in the future. (laughs) (laughs) And don't be late. You know the whole, go back in time. Who who wrote this? I can't remember. Is it H.G. Wells who wrote this? Maybe it's part of the time time machine. That you go back in time, you accidentally step on a butterfly, and then when you come back to present day, everything's fucked. Yeah. Because that one butterfly is connected to so much else. Someone had to eat that butterfly in a different part of the forest or whatever, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Butterfly's connected to the knee bone, yeah. <laughs> yes. Here they're taking dinosaurs, like really big butterflies. They're yep. transplanting them from the past. They're having them either die in present day London... Or they're sending them back to some other part in time. Yeah. Well, back back to the past. Or with a chunk taken out of them. Yeah, exactly. Or just traumatized. Yeah. Now that dinosaur is not going to go down to the river, because what if there are more bipeds down there? Aren't we all screwed? Well, it's always a difficult thing to talk about with Doctor Who, because <laughs> they meddle with time all the time. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, that's not a very controlled way of just sort of dabbling with the past. Do they send them back to the exact same spot that they came from? I guess they probably are meant to, yeah. I think... Still. Well, the other thing is that I'm no physicist of any variety, but... Um, oh, you're not? No. So, so you're, you're, telling me, you're telling me you're not a physicist? Y- yes. I'm okay, thinking, cool. I'm Carry right. on. Okay, yeah. <laughs> did, did we all get that in podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, establishing here. Jim, not a Jim the not physicist. Okay. <laughs> and uh, my take on the butterfly... Squashing causes ripples through time. Yeah. Um, butterfly effect, you might call it. Yeah, the butterfly <laughs> I mean, effect. A different butterfly effect. Or uh, chaos theory. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Is Back. that it's mostly bollocks. Right. Okay, I see. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> but I feel like changing stuff in the past is different from... I mean, even though I can buy into the whole, like, a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the earth, and that's somehow through a chain reaction, like a domino effect, on the other side of the earth, there's a tornado or whatever. Because somehow they are linked, but presumably that butterfly... Do you buy into this? I mean, no, I mean, in theory, I buy into it, but I, I also appreciate that that butterfly is... Insignificant. Wholly insignificant. Yeah, I mean, it flat fl- it flutters around and there's maybe an effect for half a centimetre's yeah. radius around it and that's it. Everything else dies out. But I definitely buy into that butterfly was in the past. We've now killed it and perhaps it doesn't pollinate something or maybe no animal chases after it and then ends up dying in a different part of the world and we don't find those bones and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I feel like that has far more far-reaching consequences. Yeah. Like I say, it's tricky <laughs> talking <Yeah>. about this stuff. <laughs> like dinosaurs in particular, like we know that they died out. Yeah. The particular ones that we see in this series, or at the very least. Famously extinct. 
Yeah. Yeah. But they have relative species that are still with us today. Uh-huh. And <laughs> That's true. That's true. It is true. Yeah. Like, obviously, not all life stopped and then all life started again. Exactly. Like, things carried on. Yeah. Those dinosaurs, they lived harmoniously with humans. Did they? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I don't know where I was going with that thing. I was thinking of those weird museums. But yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> Alongside the Daleks. <laughs> Frozen in time. Exactly. Sorry, I cut you off there. Uh, they, they've developed and... Yeah, so, like, a dinosaur doing something differently could affect... You know, you can't, you can't write it off and say, yeah, we well, might not well dinosaurs all got wiped out anyway. It doesn't matter where they were. Exactly. You know, like, they all died. It's like, but, you know, they could... Yeah, they could have Yeah, we might not have screwed. birds or fishes or yeah, whatever. Or crocodiles yeah. or... Yeah, exactly. Know, yeah. Any other reptile. You know, it could have messed up their evolution and it could have messed up our evolution, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And you, you mentioned like digging up bones. And it's like, yeah, we might have found the wrong bone in the wrong place. Or, exactly. Or different bone. Wrong. And yeah, yeah, they, they, they were not very scientific. Let's put it that way. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess that's where the, uh, the mad aspect of, of mad, mad scientists come yes. from. <laughs> so have we fully absorbed how bad Captain Yates's betrayal was or... Yeah, we haven't... I mean, I wonder what's going to happen to him now. He was one of the core unit chaps before. Yeah. And maybe this explains why... So when we were introduced to units, and we were talking about, like, uh, as in on Who Back When, and we were talking... This is during Troughton times. I remember unit from when I was a kid. And I remembered, obviously, Bagels, the brigadier. And I remembered Benton. Very, very vividly remember Benton. But I never remembered Yates. Yeah. And I always went like, who's this guy? Who's this usurper who's steal- trying to steal Benton's throne? <laughs> and maybe maybe Yates just doesn't come back now. I think this could be the end of Yates. Maybe. It should be, really. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Oh, he absolutely deserves it. But it seems like such an abrupt ending to bring back a hero only to make him a traitor and then discard him forever. Yeah. Without explana- any kind of explanation. And also, what the hell is the aftermath of this? Like, the people that have been affected by this, yeah. like, that understand exactly what what has happened are quite few. Like, Correct. between two and three hundred. Yeah. I, I, I'm guessing there aren't that many military personnel, but, you know, there, a few dozen maybe have seen dinosaurs. Well, wait, hang on. Hasn't all of London seen dinosaurs? And if all because, of London has seen dinosaurs, then surely it's been on the news and well, stuff. I don't so know. Like all of the UK has seen it, and the rest of the world has seen it. And like they they brushed over the fact that they evacuated eight million people. Like uh, they made it sound like it was no bother at all. So I, yeah, exactly. I kind of feel like a dinosaur popped up in Chiswick, <laughs> and three people saw it, and then it was like, right, eight million people, go, get out of here. No, you don't look at that thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know they made me. Told those three people, it's like, oh no, it was just a weather balloon. And the only people who are left are the looters, and they're the only people who have actually seen the dinosaurs. I, d- do I don't think? know. I, I, I'm thinking like that maybe there's not that many that know fully what is going on and willing to keep arguing that no, they were fucking dinosaurs. The, the capital city is under martial law. Well, but, but, but yeah, this is where I'm going yeah. to the rest of it. Yeah, is sorry, like, sorry. Even if you accept that, yeah. that most people in London would be like, dinosaurs? What the fuck are you talking about? There weren't any dinosaurs. They were still evacuated from London. <laughs> like, and there are still a significant number of people who have been messed up in this environment somehow or another, either seeing a dinosaur or being told that they're going to colonize another planet, yeah. who are now going to be left either to their own devices or, you know, probably put back into society and talk to people. And That's true. But presumably treated like a crazy person. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, there's 
potential for some massive fallout from this incident. Oh, surely. A hundred percent. And I'm I like, think the world knows about this, though. I mean, Unit is involved, and Unit is... It reports to the UN. There is even a, a call to Geneva at one point in this episode. Uh. So, I mean, it, the UN of Unit is United Nations, right? It's United Nations Intelligence Task Force, I think. Of course it is, yeah. Where, whatever it is, it's, it's UN anyway. So that means multiple countries are involved in this crisis. Why are there only 30 soldiers fighting <laughs> dinosaurs? Why isn't everyone there? And, bit of a tangent, Yeah. why are these dinosaurs impervious to bullets? Yeah, and why when you blow, like, you blow up a grenade next to them, do they just back away? Uh, yeah. And why is the military okay with that? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the scene where <laughs> Pertwee and uh, Sarah Jane escaped the first time when they're in the back of the van. Yeah. And they escape. The two soldiers, the, the guys they're who are just driving shooting them, at the air. Yeah. yeah. Actually, this is the second escape, isn't it? They're, they're shooting at the air with no muzzle flashes or anything. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... Bum, 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 bum. Uh, <laughs> the dinosaur backs away and they're like, cool. <laughs> Whistle and walk back to the car, calmly sit down. No, you fucking run. There was a dinosaur behind <laughs> you a second ago. Yeah. Everyone seems completely fine to just blow something up near a dinosaur. So, yeah, it won't come back. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, yeah, they're impervious to bullets, but they're also like, they don't explode. Yeah. Like, they're still flesh. Yeah. Like, they would be ripped to shreds. Yeah, By true. a machine gun, certainly by a grenade. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe little Timmy, who's watching this at home with his family, is not going to feel great. <laughs> He's going to have a little bit of a jippy tummy if he sees T-Rex blood splattered all <laughs> over the screen. Or a, a, an exploded stegosaurus in that beautiful fake street. But like, they could have done a hand-wavy thing and said... Um, Killed it. They're in a, in a time bubble. Oh, that's or, true. Or something weird like that. You oh, know. you, you want to wibble-wobble yeah, why not? why they're okay. Yeah. yeah like, makes sense. We just need need a line in, or two in there just to kind of go... Because they, they make a point to say, and for some reason bullets don't hurt them, or, or just like, bullets have no effect, or something like that. Yeah. I was like, you put that in there. <laughs> but you didn't say why. <laughs> you don't explain why. <laughs> because uh, this is very early on in the serial. I think this might be episode one, in fact. Okay. And at this point, we don't know what the hell's going on. Like, it's not until episode six, really, that we know what the hell's going on. That's true. Um, but you... Well, I, I, I was certainly thinking, oh, these can't be real dinosaurs then. They must be something else. Maybe they're aliens, or maybe they're mechanical, or... Ooh. You know, I, I was not thinking these were just your average from the past dinosaur so oh my god you're corroborating this theory put forth by uh, who is it it's uh, zombie salvador de lee <laughs> <laughs> that like oh from the past no that's just well, gobbledygook only early on <laughs> it's, it's very clearly established <laughs> later <laughs> okay <laughs> also got the t-rex exploding through a brick wall sorry i'm just going through my notes here but oh, that's gorgeous by the way t-rex blowing through stuff actually i have written something that you said before as well, and turns out I'd forgotten, but past me agreed with you. I wrote, uh, Zombie Salvador Dali clearly wants to get into Sarah Jane's pants. Yeah, he, there's one particular scene he's just so smarmy. <laughs> I think I think he sends her off in his car or something, and it, it's just like very accommodating. Oh, oh, right. And isn't that because he wants to entrap her in some way? Well, this, this is how she ends up in the T-Rex room. Take pictures uh, of her. Oh, <laughs> t- take some pictures of the dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me get you a card. Yeah. Why don't you get my driver? I think, it, yeah, it's going to get a card. Ugh, it's really, it's gross. Gross, Salvador Dali. Gross. <laughs> I think that's, 
there's something that I'm having to deal with with these cereals is that there's a lot of time they've got. Like they're only 25 minutes each, but yeah, in the the context of what a new Who episode is, sure, like they've got a lot of time at their disposal. Oh, absolutely, and they fill it <laughs> with whatever they can sometimes. And half half our ideas don't really go anywhere. And I don't know the amount of time that we saw the Doctor trying to open a door at one point, like open a gate, is like it's so laborious. Like I don't think I have any attention problems but i but, like that but you watch like, i like it when it's atmospheric and it's got meaning and stuff like i don't i don't, even, you don't want to see him like go from door to door for one minute well and then give up more, and go elsewhere it was more like being a jailer i think it was it was when he was going to the underground the first time when he's got out of his space car i think yeah. okay like it wasn't particularly long but it, it just kind of <laughs> dawned on me it's like if this was a, a modern filming of this scene you would see him get out of the car you wouldn't see him open the door. Like we would have cut straight away. Yeah, and they carry on to the other side of the door. In fact. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were, they carried on that scene for like another thirty seconds or something with him just slowly walking up to this <laughs> gate, getting something out of his pocket, jangling around. Yep, yep, going to try and open this. Oh no, not quite got it that time. <laughs> well, have another go. <laughs> I think it's quite incredible. It's, it's an interesting, you know, see how the shift of. Um, television is you know in the same franchise you know. yeah the tempo's changed and no one had time to write a script <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've got five minutes to fill here we've run out of dialogue okay someone quick get, get him some jangly keys <laughs> <laughs> and keep rolling i kind of liked hated okay the end of this not not the end end okay where the doc is talking to sarah jane and trying to convince her to travel again mm-hmm. but the bit prior to that where it, it reminded me of He-Man. <gasps> what? Okay. <laughs> Very tangentially. <laughs> because the cartoons of that era, He-Man in particular, always ended on a moral. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how familiar this this sounds to uh, to our audience, but the likes, likes of He-Man would always um, have some kind of message, most of the time irrelevant to the story that had preceded it. <laughs> So at least at least this Doctor Who episode, it was relevant. But it, it seems very clear when everyone's kind of safe and happy afterwards that there is uh, a stand-up to the camera almost, kind of like, stop shitting on the planet, people. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that subtle, um, but I kind of liked it in, in its unsubtlety. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what else do you have? A couple of things that I have, I think... First off, screenshot three minutes and 45 seconds into episode two, we get something that I've pointed out before is really awkward in a child-friendly family show. We get pin-ups on the wall. Oh, really? <laughs> screenshot on whobackland.com. <laughs> presumably not boobs out pin-up. No, I think this is underwear pin-ups. Okay. I don't really remember. I, I mean, but this has happened awkward. on a few occasions before in black and white Doctor Who, and when it's come up, I've always included screenshots on the website, and I've always pointed out, there are children watching this. Who is the set dresser? Why did they put <laughs> pinups on the wall? It's so inappropriate. So there's that. <laughs> Secondly, the doctor uses a lot of Tate and Lyle sugar in his tea. A lot. I totally missed this. this Tons is- of it. Like, more sugar than tea. And maybe I'm completely misremembering this now, but I feel like... This contradicts something that he said in the previous uh, serial memory in Moonbase, where part of it was that the aliens, the Cybermen, had poisoned the sugar, and that 
people who took sugar in their tea, they fell asleep. And I want to say that the doctor fell asleep. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I'm misremembering that. But I, I feel like there's been something about the doctor taking sugar in his tea. Maybe <laughs> if Podcast Land remembers that, then feel free to pop a comment. We get another mention of the Blinovich limitation effect, and it may in fact be the first mention of it. I don't know if we've had it before in Classic, but we have it in New Who all the time. You know in New Who when the two Sonics touch and there's like yeah. a spark? It is mentioned by name here, the Blinovich limitation effect, but it means Ooh. something else. Like, I forgot to say this before. I was going to ask you, like, hey, do you know what it means? I don't remember what it means anymore. But in reference to... Like, dinosaurs come from whatever. In reference to time dilation and stuff, yeah. he goes, oh, it's the Blinovich limitation effect. Just just in reference to the dinosaurs appearing. Uh, yeah. Hang on. Wait, you know what? Let me look that up, because that's kind of an interesting point. Let me find that out. Because uh. I'd, I'd forgotten the phrase, but um, my memory of the new Who usage is that it's kind of two bodies from different time periods coming in contact. Yes, exactly. It's, it, that's what the... They always refer to. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Or rather, the same body from different type periods. Here we go. According to Todd's Wikia, oh, it doesn't give much evidence to, or it doesn't give any context. It just says, the doctor mentions the Blinovich limitation effect in reference to the development of time travel. That's it. Okay, fine. Sorry. So that's kind of a non-point, isn't it? Sorry about that. But possibly the first time it's been mentioned. It may be an interesting point. Maybe, that's, um, maybe that was something that was being discussed at the time. Yeah, like maybe. the theory of time travel, and it was something you would have to overcome. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I don't Reaching know either. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's realistic reaching. Soundbite episode 6, 2225, reverse the polarity. So he's reversed the polarity! Keep back! <laughs> and, oh, you know what, got so many notes, and we got, we've got minis and, and stuff to do. I, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Okay. Ratings? Let's do it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la, 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 la. Ratings. Ladies and gents, we took a quick time out there. Suggestion. How about we each give our minis, basically, and then at the end, we deliver our ratings at the same time. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, so my rating less mini is basically that... I am impressed by how multifaceted this serial is. We have the underground thing, we have the fake space thing, we have time travel stuff, we have intrigue, political intrigue, post-apocalyptic London, which isn't post-apocalyptic, and so on and so forth. I think that's really fun. We have the return of units, and we didn't talk about Benton at all. I think Benton is spectacular in this. He proves himself to be such a good guy when he's meant to arrest the doctor, for example, and he goes, you know, like, oh, I guess you better get to it, yeah. you know, overpower me. That was nice. Love that guy. He's so fantastic. Dinosaur effects look brilliant. The plot makes incredibly little sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to phrase this in such a way that I'm not going to give away my rating just yet until we you know, okay. go inside. But uh, the plot makes absolutely no sense, particularly the fact that the people on the fake spaceship don't seem to have questioned this at all. That really bothers me, especially when Not Billy Zane says, and I quote, we're going to a solar system near Earth. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Not Billy Zane. Like, <laughs> you have no idea what's happening to you. you. Like, you have given up your life. And the only thing you did was jump far. Uh, yeah. However, I will give this bonus points for the mustachioed men in uniform stand up in Jeeps scene. I quite like that one. <laughs> What? In episode six, I've just written, it's the mustachioed men in uniform stand up in Jeep scene. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's when Bagels and Benton, they show up in one Jeep. B- 
Bagel stands up, and Brenton stands up. And then in the other jeep, we've got zombie Salvador Dali and one of his henchmen. They show up in one jeep. They stand up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a literal standoff. Yeah, (laughs) they just look at each other, and the doctor's in the middle, and then they back off. It's like, great! That's five minutes of television. (laughs) (laughs) And we have the Who-mobile. Oh, and this writer is great. We didn't mention him at all. Matthew Hulk. Hulk? It's, It's Hulkamania. Hulk with an E at the end. (laughs) <laughs> Hulka, Hulka, <laughs> the Hulkmeister. He's he's written the Faceless Ones, the War Games, uh, the Silurians, Ambassadors of Death, Colony in Space, Sea Devils, Frontier in Space, and now, last but not least, Invasion uh, of the Dinosaurs. And there are certain similarities between them. And he's really good, I think. Anyway, uh, sorry, super long mini maxi review. Your turn. Go for it. <laughs> I don't know how to follow them. <laughs> sorry, I don't know how to also say this without giving too much away. Okay. <laughs> I struggled with the plot, but also kind of liked how insane it was. Okay. I struggled with how rubbery the dinosaurs were, uh-huh. but also kind of loved okay. how rubbery the dinosaurs were. <laughs> I, I think this is kind of my thing with this entire serial, is like, entertainment value was pretty damn high, for the most part. Bonkers levels were pretty damn high. Mm-hmm. Plot levels making sense were pretty damn low. Yeah. But the um, amount of plots... The amount of plots were pretty damn high. Yeah. <laughs> the... I don't know the 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 good sense and commanding of the doctor was pretty low but uh-huh. the, then the good sense and commanding of Sarah Jane was pretty high this is the serial that kind of solidifies her as a companion is she uh, sorry to interrupt you is she officially the companion at the end of this serial I don't know if you can go as far as say she is officially but she's she's being teased to uh, to carry on yeah and that's she's true. she's having none of it no <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair the doctor should have left her alone <laughs> At the end of this and, and never gone back because she's like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if there's milk in the water or whatever it was. You mean when they're in London and he just does not react to the fact that it's completely empty because it's a Sunday? No, right at the end of this serial. Oh, at the end? Yeah, he's basically trying to recruit her. Oh, I see. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, we didn't talk about that. Florama. Yeah. Is, is that the, the planet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure he lists, like, the oceans are made of milk or something. <laughs> something okay, I completely like that. missed that, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a lot happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> and... Shall we give this a rating? There are dinosaurs. <laughs> there are dinosaurs, you're right. So, on uh, on a three, two, one. Are we saying three, two, one, and then we say it? Yeah, because three, two, one is more numbers than we would have in a rating. That, that's so true, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. are you, okay, are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. You're, uh, you're going to hate my rating. Un- unless I really hate your rating and my <laughs> rating combined, so I change it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Three, Three two, one. two, one. 4.2. 3.2, <laughs> <laughs> is that what you gave yeah. it? Yeah. 4.1. Nice. I love this serial. I was worried you were going low, <laughs> but I should have realized who you are. <laughs> oh, I love this serial. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> like... I think I'm I'm still I'm still getting into the mode of classics in the serials. Okay. <laughs> it might take me a while to to rate something quite high. But this was so fun. This might be one of the highest classics yeah. for me. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad that you like this. Yeah. How so do you think that you prefer Crazy Zany to Super Serious and Dark in mm, Classic Who? No, I don't think I do. Okay. I I think I like people that aim high. Okay. They may not have reached it. <laughs> They've um, been aiming at the at the wrong angle. Yeah, <laughs> but they definitely they definitely they tried. They built that. They built things with their little hearts. They acted the little hearts out, and you know there was a lot of effort in this oh, serial. Yeah. Like there was, I mean, 
how do you come up with that plot line? I don't. <laughs> what do you smoke? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone goes along with it. Yeah. <laughs> the entire production team, the director, the actors. No one's like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> nope. Just just go along with it. Yeah, but I, but this is this feels like Doctor Who at its finest. Yeah, because I mean, if you compare this to the one that we had immediately preceding it, the Time Warrior, it's just like, all right, fine, go to medieval times. Oh, and there's a potato there. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> the Green Death, which I I did not review on this this podcast, but yeah. I, I watched it in prelude to reviewing to, the yeah, Time yeah. Warrior. Yeah, I really love the Green Death, and that's that's quite a serious one. And that's true. There's you know, people dying and stuff. Yeah, that's true. But I think that one was, it was intelligent. It was, I don't know. I th- it is, yeah. I, I, I think there was probably a lot of heart to that as well. There was a lot of characterization of people and, and a, a very different way to this episode. But, Certainly. But I, I think it's that same kind of thing. You can, you can tell that there was some passion. I guess that's, maybe that's the thing. There's some passion going on here. People really wanted there to be dinosaurs in oh, this yeah. one. <laughs> they really wanted there to be a mad scientist trying to reset the human race. Do you think that, I mean, it, comparing this to Green Death, in Green Death, we have a lot of good guys. There's like a whole team of good guys, yeah. right? And, and we also get to know the bad guys. There's some characterization of individuals on both sides. Yeah. But possibly more so on the good guys' side. I mean, we get to, I can't remember what they're called now, but this sort of hippie commune. Yeah. Uh, we get to know them better than we get to know the bad guys. In this one, we almost exclusively get to know the bad guys. If you're, yeah, if you're saying like General Finch and the scientists and, and Grover, Grover yeah, and versus the colonists, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. But not even colonists. But I, I mean, it's like, it's not Billy Zane is maybe a good guy. Yeah. But Allo Allo is not a good person, I think. No. We, we never still unraveled. Like, yeah, I know. There's too much going on here. This is like, so good. What? What did they? How did they believe that? What did they? I don't know. In three months. Three months. Like some something happened. Yeah, but it's only those three. Everyone else is asleep. By the way, we yeah. don't have the technology to put people to sleep for three exactly. months. Yeah. That's what I say. But, but let's like, just ignore that for a moment. I mean, they, what's happening is they have a basement full of dead people. <laughs> And then there's this elderly couple and a young dude, and they're just having threesomes for three months. That's it. <laughs> Eating, like, graham crackers. Uh, but, yeah. All right. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to applaud. You have to applaud. Like, I do. You, you, you either just kind of roll your eyes at the whole thing and never watch Doctor Who again, or you just stand there and give them an ovation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, we, shall we see what the listener minis say? Let's do it. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Okie dokie, we have four listener minis, and uh, we took a time out, went through them, and we're going to read them out now. But we're not going to read them out entirely, because as we have said before... You naughty people keep going over 250 words. That's right. And if you send us more than 250 words, then... You're at our mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, your voice is so much better suited to say that than mine. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, so we're probably going to read out the first 250. Yeah, plus most, your rating. Most things. Occasionally we might do something else. Yeah. And you'll see examples of both of those things uh, in this little segment. First out of the gate is Trenton Bless. Hello, Trenton. Hello, Trenton. Trenton says... Should I start this one? Yeah, go for it. Trenton says, all right, let's get to the elephant in the room right away. The dinosaurs look crap. I mean... <laughs> he means cute, doesn't he? <laughs> I'm sure he does. I mean, the idea was there, but on a mid-70s BBC budget, how else could you do it? 
It really doesn't hamper the story much, seeing as I like this serial for the story, not the effects. If there was a story that could use a CGI remastered version, it's this one. Anyway, on to the review. Trenton continues. Invasion of the Dinosaurs is a wonderful story and very ambitious for the time. Even though the dinosaurs are crap, the story is good enough that it really doesn't matter. Pertwee is in form again in this six-part adventure. It has everything you could ask for in a Pertwee story. Unit, a mystery to unravel, a great villain with an unusual plan. Mm -hmm. Definitely unusual. Great action and dinosaurs. And Captain Yates' betrayal was so out of left field and surprised me greatly. But with Yates being controlled by that boss computer in the Green Death, it did make sense that he could be controlled by others. Oh, interesting. I saw it coming, by the way. Did Cause, you? Yeah, because he starts talking about... like, uh, and, Oh, I've made it. It's somewhere in my notes. He, he starts talking... He agrees with someone about the environment being the most important thing. Oh. And I didn't think that he was going to be a complete traitor, but I figured, like, oh, he's going to have a crisis of faith at some point, isn't he? Trenton goes on, if I had one other issue with this story, it's that it's a bit long. I really enjoyed it, but you won't watch it twice in a week, will you? Hey, just watch me, Trenton. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great story, but I don't see me watching it quite a ton. Maybe every so often, but not too much. It has a bit of filler here and there, but with long stories like this, it's pretty unavoidable. And this is where we do a little snip. That's right. There is more, but you will have to go to Who Back When to read it all in its entirety. Exactly. What we are going to skip to the end for is his rating. Which is? It is a 3.4 out of 5. Ooh, ooh. Very much in the zone that oh, we yeah. had here. Well, it's, it's, it's in Towers. the zone of, of yours, certainly. Well. 3.4, you gave it 3.2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nicely done. Trenton, excellent. Excellent, Vinny. Thank People. you, Trenton. People go and read it in its full splendor. And you can follow Trenton on Twitter. He is at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two S's. Next up, Peter Zunich. Hello, Peter. Hello, Peter. Peter, who very, very recently uh, reviewed... Peter is... Sorry, I've got to preface his mini. Peter is the undeniable expert, the go-to source for any knowledge on fan Doctor Who audio productions. And he's got some spiffing reviews of such on whobackone.com. The latest of which is of... Uh, which audio drama? Remind me, Jim? I... I, I couldn't think oh wait is it that it's operation that... pandorica it's something like that right yeah pandoro pandoro, pandoro. that's the one <laughs> yeah it's a brilliant review thank you so much peter uh, go and read it uh, but first listen to his mini peter goes dinosaurs in london explosions secret rooms subversion betrayal space travel street thugs what's not to like about this episode honestly do we punish this story for hulky dinos i'm sorry i just can't do it partially because parts of me thinks that given their limited resource of the time they actually did a pretty decent job i think that's kind of where we settled isn't it yeah i think so Granted, Peter continues, you need to use your imagination quite a bit to fill in the blanks. <laughs> that said, I would not use this story to introduce someone used to modern special effects to vintage who. If there's ever a serial that could benefit from modern effects, it would be this one hands down. Holy shit, twice in a row now. Oh, I totally disagree with both of them. I, I, I love these effects. Like, I love it for the crapness. Like, <laughs> yeah. You have to acknowledge that they're crap. Yeah, no, no, no they're, they're both very, very the, right. The, the first pterodactyl we see is amazing. Oh, how dare you, you, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> 
Peter goes on, this story also features one of the most violent plot twists, the likes of which we have not seen since Enemy of the World, and sadly will never really experience in Who again. Okay, the twist is foiled less than a full episode later, but the first time you experience this moment is such a shock. It was a great idea, and the foil was necessary. I have a weird retro rewrite this time, Peter carries on, mainly because it involves the very basis of the story. Oh. The weakest part of this series is the idea of using dinosaurs to scare the populace out of London. Ooh. Nothing like calling attention to yourselves to ruin your evil scheme. <laughs> Why didn't they just set up shop in the middle of nowhere? Yes. <laughs> we didn't even brush one that. <laughs> no. There's too much other shit to pull apart. You can't grab everything. <laughs> so. Actually, I know why. No? Because they need a nuclear reactor, and they can only think to use the ones in the bunkers. The, uh, conveniently under London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of forgotten that that was a throwaway thing in there. I, th- I think that might be it, but actually, you know what, wait, no, I take it back, because don't they say that there are m- many of them around the country, and they just happen to put their base of operations in one of them, which somehow is accessible through the cupboard in... <laughs> <laughs> the, the filing cabinet <laughs> cupboard. <laughs> Yeah, well, ministers are lazy. Like, they, they don't go outside of London no, no. if they can help it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter concludes, It's truly an ambitious story, and in my eyes, they did okay. It earns a Jurassic. Your future's as daft as that T-Rex. 3.7. Marvellous. Marvellous Wonderful stuff. Wonderful review. Thank you very much, Peter. <laughs> Thank you. Woohoo! All right, next up, Paul Fuller. Hello, Paul. Hello, Paul. This would be a case where, Paul, you are subject to our whims uh, as you have submitted more than 250 words. (laughs) (laughs) He has submitted a spiffing synopsis, if you will, a precy of six episodes. So if you want to read that, and why wouldn't you, you should go to whobackone.com and you will read it in its full splendor. In the meantime, we are going to tantalize your earballs with part of the review bit of this mini. And that little bit is... For viewers, the realisation of the dinosaurs hurt the story. The plot, pace and characterization, though, stand up well enough to be entertaining. As chilling as the conspirators' impossible plan is, I find their need to correct Sarah Jane's corrupting ideas Orwellian and the most chilling aspect of this story. That's true. And why did we pick this out? Well, because it leads on very nicely to a bit of trivia that we meant to talk about and completely forgot to talk about, so thank you for reminding us, that the first episode in the six-episode arc is called just The Invasion, because they didn't want to give away the fact that there were dinosaurs in it at the very, very start. It was going to be a total surprise. Everyone hated that they did this. But then the Radio Times fucked it up, and they referred to it as oh, really? The Invasion of the Dinosaurs. <laughs> That's pretty great. Thanks very much, Paul. Uh, people, please do yourselves a favor. Go and read his mini it's in, in its full splendor. Whobackone.com. And in the meantime, high five Paul online. He is at Wordsmith Paul. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Last but not least, it's Michael, Michael Ridgway. 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 <laughs> Hello, Michael. Hey, Michael. I'm sorry I ruined that a bit. No, no, I feel like I ruined it. I'm sorry. I think we need a tuning fork in here. <laughs> Bing! Oh, wow. So, okay, this so is Michael's given us episode by episode points. Okay. A mini collection of reactions, he says. Mm. All right, should we just do these uh, one by one? Sh- Ping pong them. Yeah. Okay, you start. Oh, I'm serving? Okay. If you like. So, episode one, we've got the creepy-ass opening 
and the gory mauled looter brings back nightmares of BBC 1980s nuclear horror threads. Ooh. I have no knowledge of this show. Nor I. This is still a kid's show, right? Next bullet point. Loving the dinosaurs. Yes. I'll take plasticine T-Rex of a dodgy CGI Slitheen any day. Agreed. Yep. And his last point for episode one. I bet the writers created Sarah's surname just for the doctor's no relation joke. Oh, that's a good point. Episode two. Bloke from the past is a missed opportunity to have a cameo from Iron Gron. <laughs> that's so true. Holy shit. I did think that uh, there was going to be some significance of this random guy who was from the same era that he had just been in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, did but not dawn no. on me on at all. Yeah, it's oh, just, nice. It's such a throwaway thing. It's really weird. <laughs> anyway, more stuff from episode two. We have The Great Betrayal. Yates, you broke my heart. A rope and a net to capture a three-ton stegosaurus? Are you fucking kidding me? And starting to see a pattern in the cliffhangers. <laughs> Would this be that it ends on a T-Rex about to eat someone? Uh, it might be, yeah. <laughs> Episode three, a bicycle chain to hold a seven-ton T-Rex. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and that's it. That's episode three summed up. <laughs> episode four. Ah, the old fake spaceship full of intellectuals. Brackets. Morons. Trick. Next bullet point. Ah, the old elevator switch disguised as coat hook trick. <laughs> And finally, for episode four, shockingly quick escalation by Edith from hello, hello to murder Sarah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Can you imagine how life on New Earth would, you know, unravel? <laughs> they, they landed like, well, we've got nice flowers and whatever, but we're all haunted by the image of having collectively <laughs> slaughtered this innocent girl who probably just suffered from cabin fever. <laughs> yeah, way to start a civilization, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right, episode five, Sarah's airlock discovery. The spaceship people are total morons. And the last thing for episode five, imagine how much better the dinosaurs would be if they hadn't have blown the budget on the helicopter. Oh, that's true. <laughs> episode six, funniest line, moron spaceship guy's indignation at being told the spaceship is fake. I sold my house. <laughs> <laughs> I can see my house from here. <laughs> and quite rare in a... Uh, a Ridgeway review. Uh, namely? This is the first... Beef. <laughs> I can't do it justice. Beef. Oh, that was good. Ah, that was go. good. Yeah. <laughs> Not seeing the mad scientist and minister try surviving dinosaur times. Oh, oh that's another really good re uh, rewrite. That could have been fun. That was an involuntary glottal stop there. I apologize. That, that would be really cool. It would? Yeah. That and Iron Gron. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry. To, uh, there is a, a moment rating. to like really think about this. Like, oh, that shit, that would make it so much better. <laughs> uh, and despite that long list of non-stop positives, <laughs> Michael gives this a rating of 2.1 out of 5 combined IQs of the spaceship people. <laughs> so that's like 0 0.03. <laughs> <laughs> also, Michael's find a cunning way to get around our 250 word limit, hasn't he? Uh, well, no point the fuck out of everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well done. It's Clever, less than, it's Michael. Less than Thank you, Michael. Words. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. People who are not Michael, you should follow Michael on Twitter. He is at bad underscore movie underscore club. And it's awesome because he's watching some seriously bad movies and some really good ones that for some reason are called bad movies. I don't understand it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, what's next? Do you know what's next? Something? I do not have the foggiest. I want to say it's something with Daleks. <gasps> yes, it is. 
Okay, do you know what the next new who is? The girl who waited. That's right. And the next classic after that is going to be Death to the Daleks. Death to the Daleks. <laughs> the anti-penultimate Pertwee adventure. Ooh. Yeah. And then we're off to Tom Bakerland. Tom Bakerland. Tom Bakerland. You must be this tall to enter Tom <laughs> <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to say hi to Jim, send an email to whobackwhen at gmail.com. We'll pass it along. Uh, if you want to say hi to any of us, send an email there. You can also say hi to me directly on Twitter. I'm at Ponkin, P-O-N-K-E-N. That's how you spell it. That's right. <laughs> We're all learning. Thank you so much for being such a lovely audience. Until the next time, be right next to each other. Rock on and cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. But I've got no friends. No problemo. Tell some strangers. Hey, Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?